I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome in, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Friday. It is time for Outkick the Show. Loaded schedule, by the way. I'm going to hop on Martha McCollum's show here in a few minutes on Fox News. I'll then be on with uh, Sean Hannity tonight talking about a lot of different big stories out there. So appreciate everybody out there uh, who is uh, a fan of those programs. Encourage you, as always, go download and subscribe to the Clay and Buck show. So, divisional round NFL playoff games. Right off the top, I want to give you my gambling picks, break down who I think is going to win, tell you why. And so I will start with the Saturday games. uh, And I am looking right now at the live lines on the Saturday games. Chiefs are an eight and a half point favorite over the Jacksonville Jaguars over under 52 and a half. I'm going to give you picks on everything, uh, but I'll give you my four that I like the best. Uh, I like the Jags plus eight and a half. Okay. I understand uh, the way that the Chiefs have played in the playoffs. Uh, I understand that the Chiefs are well-rested, that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now, in my opinion, Uh, and that the Jags have been inconsistent, as witnessed by the fact that they could throw and turn the ball over four interceptions and one fumble in the first half against the Chargers and then bounce back and perform at a very high uh, rate in the second half. I think the Jags are playing with house money here, and I think they are going to come out and throw the ball all over the field and let it rip, and at times the Chiefs, over the past several years, I think even Chiefs fans would have to acknowledge this, have played down to the level of competition. So I'm giving you a very specific prediction here. I like the Jags plus eight and a half. In fact, I like the Jags to go up at some point in this game by double figures before Patrick Mahomes rallies the troops and leads the uh, Chiefs to a victory by three or four points, okay? So give me the Jags plus eight and a half. Give me the over. I think this will be a very entertaining game. Over right now, 52 and a half. Jags and the over. Jags go up by double figures early. And everybody's asking the question, oh my goodness, is Trevor Lawrence's time really here? He's only 23 years old. My goodness, look at how quickly the Jags have turned it around. uh, And everybody's going to be super excited in Jacksonville, and then the Chiefs will do what they often do, which is march back from a double-digit deficit and win this game by three or four to advance to the AFC Championship game. Uh, So that is the, I believe, early kick on Saturday, the Saturday afternoon game. Saturday evening game, I like the Giants. I like the Giants going up against the Eagles, and I like the Giants for this reason. One, division game. These two teams know each other really well. Two, I am not sold that Jalen Hurts is 100% healthy in his shoulder right now. I think that could impact this game. Three, I think Brian Dayball has got everything rolling with Daniel Jones and this offense right now. And I think they will go into Philadelphia and have a chance to win this game late. I am taking the Giants plus the seven and a half. I think I would lean on the under here if I had to pick a side on the over-under. Right now it's at, uh, let's see, 48 and a half. 
Um, and so that's uh, the way that I would break down this game uh, as we are looking at the Saturday games. I'm on the Jags plus the eight and a half and the Giants plus the seven and a half uh, for the Saturday divisional round NFL playoff games. Sunday, uh, early game. Uh, we've got the Bengals going up against the Bills. This is the game I am most excited to watch of all four. If you had to rank in terms of interest level, all of the games, I don't see how you go with anybody other than Bengals-Bills. Uh, close second with the Cowboys and the 49ers, but Bengals-Bills to me is an electric caliber game. You got Joe Burrow going up against Josh Allen. Bills with their final home playoff game of the season, no matter what. In fact, we will know for sure. Obviously, if the Jags potentially pulled off the upset, the Bills would be playing to host an AFC championship game in Buffalo. Uh, That game is going to be played in Atlanta if, as my prediction will make it clear, the Bills and the Chiefs both advance, and I think they will. I'm going to take... This number is so steep to me. Uh, I'm going to take the Bengals plus the five and a half. Um, This number just seems too high. I know the Bengals have issues on the offensive line. I know if you watch the game against the Ravens, the Bengals' offense did not perform at a high level. But ultimately, I just look at this number and I think five and a half is too many to give to Joe Burrow on the road. I like the uh, the Bills to win, but I think this number would have to be around three for me to be betting Bills. I just think there's value on the Bengals plus the points. Love the over here. Really think that the offenses get rolling. I'm on the over as well. Over 49 and a half in this one. Uh, And so, give me the Bengals. That's three straight underdogs. I understand. Three straight underdogs that I am taking. Give me the Bengals and the over. All right, what about the final game Sunday afternoon to set uh, the AFC and the NFC Championship games? Cowboys on the road against the 49ers. Now, as a prelude here, I picked the Cowboys and the Bills to meet in the Super Bowl. I don't know in my uh, sports media career. Maybe I've done it. I don't think that I have ever gotten the Super Bowl right in the preseason, right? Pick the AFC and the NFC champion and end up with both teams right. It's actually pretty hard to do. Uh, So I like the fact that both my teams are still eligible and able to advance to the Super Bowl here. Ultimately, I'm coming down on the 49ers. I think the 49ers are playing the best of any team in the NFL right now. I really do. Now, Brock Purdy makes me a little bit nervous, right? Mr. Irrelevant, uh, guy has played at an incredibly high level so far, has not dealt with a lot of pratfalls, not a lot of difficulty so far in terms of dealing with poor play and having to come back and rally from a big deficit. So I like the way that the Cowboy offense is playing. I told you earlier in the week, I think Dak is the most proven of all of the NFC quarterbacks. Doesn't mean he's the best, but I think he's the most proven. And ordinarily, I would like that. But man, I just look at the 49ers and the way that they are playing right now. And I think the 49ers are going to go to the Super Bowl. So if I was re-picking right now, I think I'd probably stick with the Bills in the AFC but I feel like the 49ers are going to get it done in the NFC. I like the 49ers to cover this number. All right, so in terms of picks, I'm on the Jags plus 8.5, Giants plus 7.5, Bengals plus 5.5, and the 49ers minus 3.5. 
along with several different over-unders that I gave out as a part of this analysis as well. If I am correct that the Bills are going to win, but by less than five and a half, and that I like the uh, Chiefs to win, but by less than eight and a half, that would mean that the AFC championship game is going to be played in Atlanta. They have already sold 50,000 tickets for the potential Bills-Chiefs AFC championship game in Atlanta. And I'm going to put up a poll on this because I'm curious what you guys would say. Do you like the idea of neutral AFC and NFC championship games? Now, I might be a bit embittered here because I've had a bunch of opportunities, three in fact, where I have gone to the Titans stadium and the Titans have had a chance to win a one home playoff game, just one, and they would have hosted the AFC championship game. So there is zero doubt here that I am embittered over this because the Titans three different times as favorites have lost divisional round home playoff games as recently as last year against the Bengals and not been able to host the AFC championship game. Uh, But the Titans have been on the road for the AFC championship game in Oakland, in Kansas City, and in Jacksonville. I think I am correct in that. Never actually hosted it. Won one of those down in Jacksonville. I don't dislike the idea of a neutral site AFC-NFC championship game. I, I, I really don't. The Super Bowl is always neutral. Everybody's used to it. If you said, hey, whoever wins the, uh, uh, the uh, whoever's got the best record in the AFC or NFC champions gets to host the Super Bowl, a lot of people would say that was crazy now. I don't have a problem with a neutral site AFC-NFC championship game. I know it takes away from the advantage that you gain from being a host. I'm more likely, though, to go to a neutral site game than I am to travel to go watch a road game. By which I mean the Titans were on the road in Kansas City. I didn't make that trip. Now, partly that was because I expected for the Kansas City Chiefs to win. Um, But also, it's not a lot of fun to be on the road in the opposing home stadium and have your team lose. And certainly, I've done that a lot. And unlike in college where you have a defined area you can sit if you're a fan of a rival team, and I think in college it's kind of more common to have road games and to have people go on the road, I don't really like being a visiting fan in an opposing NFL stadium. It's not as welcoming of an environment. But if you had half the stadium reserved for one NFL team and the other half reserved for the other one, that is a choice that I think I would make. In other words, if the AFC Championship uh, the year, two years ago, a couple years ago, whatever it was, 2019, I guess, or early 2020, I guess it was, in 2020 when the Titans lost to the Chiefs, I would have gone to a city like Atlanta in a neutral site venue to watch that game. Indoors, in a dome, 100%, I would have taken my family and I would have been there. I think there's probably a lot of people like me uh, and candidly, I bet there's a lot of Bills and Chiefs fans that aren't that upset about the idea of watching their team play in a dome in good weather as opposed to sitting outside and waiting to see what might happen there. So I do think it's an interesting test for the NFL with the idea being that you could take the AFC and the NFC championship games on the road. Not sure they'll do it, but I do think it's a test and I'm not necessarily opposed to it. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. I'm Alex Rodriguez. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Tony Dungy is under fire. Just getting absolutely crushed right now is Tony Dungy. The woke sports media, a.k.a. the sports media, I could probably just say, is in the process of demanding that Tony Dungy be fired from NBC for sharing his opinions uh, outside of the studio on political issues that they disagree with. Uh, In particular, uh, USA Today headline, Tony Dungy shows his true values with hateful tweet that puts transgender kids at risk. Uh, I also saw a story, let me go find this one, Uh, that I think uh, is interesting that also went after Tony Dungy and demanded that there be uh, some consequences. Uh, I'm done with Tony Dungy and the way the NFL and NBC coddle his right-wing extremism. So I wrote about it. That's the nation. People are demanding that Tony Dungy be fired. He spoke at the March for Life today. Um, I don't know Tony Dungy uh, personally. I don't have any relationship at all with him. But... Almost everybody that has played or worked with Tony Dungy is in love with this guy. And what I would point out is there is hardly anyone out there who is demanding that someone with left-wing political opinions be fired and not allowed to talk about sports on television. But left-wingers demand that all the time if anybody doesn't share their political opinions. So look, I stand with Tony Dungy. I am anti-cancel culture. I think everybody should have a right, especially, and this is important, especially outside of their work responsibilities to be able to advocate for any political opinions they hold true. Look, we're all in some way employees, just about, right? I used to own my own business. Now I don't. Uh, I'm an employee. But I have been and own my own business for years and years. And ultimately, most people don't get the opportunity to own their own business. If you don't, then you're all subject in some way to an employment uh, requirement. And I understand. I've argued it for years. If your boss doesn't want you to be political at work, that should be part of your job, right? But outside of work you should be able to advocate for any political opinions that you hold dear. And that's why I think the idea that Tony Dungy is being attacked is not about what the fact that he has political opinions. It's about the fact that he has political opinions that left-wingers trying to police political opinions in sports media are opposed to. And I think this is why they are the tin-pot dictator authoritarians who think that they're on the right side here demanding that if someone says something they don't like, they shouldn't be able to say anything at all. I 100% am opposed to it. Uh, And that ties in with the uh, Provorov fallout. fallout. Uh, In the NHL, as we've been talking about this week, Ivan Provorov, Philadelphia Flyers, refused to wear a LGBT badge on his uniform and as a result was attacked vociferously by this. 
again, by the woke sports media. And here is what I believe is shameful right now. The NHL, and in particular the NHL Network, and certainly the NHL Players Association, has all avoided speaking out in favor of Ivan Provorov's ability to make this choice, okay? Um, NHL Network employs and probably highly pays a guy who said, hey, you need to go back, this EJ Hradik, you need to go back to Russia. And as I talked about yesterday, and I would encourage all of you to go watch the video from yesterday's show, I said, if EJ Radic makes comments like that about someone from Africa, about someone from the Middle East, about someone from Asia, Latin America, anywhere other than a white guy from Europe, he's fired and probably never works in sports media again. So why is he able to say, if you don't have my political opinions, leave this country and go fight in a war and go die while employed by the NHL? And if he said that about anyone from any other continent, basically in the world, he would be immediately fired. Why is there this disparate treatment? And why has the NHL been unwilling? And even worse, the NHL Players Association unwilling to stand up for a guy who's been in the United States since he was 13 years old and for his right to be able to share his own opinion. Now, there's a big difference between uh, being forced to advocate for a political position. And this is why I think this is such a crucible moment, such an interesting uh, metaphor in the larger context of the battle out there. Over the last seven or eight years, certainly a decade ago or more, The argument that was put out by LGBTQ people was, we just want the right to live our lives. We just want the right to live and be left alone. And I think the vast majority of American public has agreed with that, right? You go live your best life. I'm not going to be looking over your shoulder trying to tell you what you can or cannot do in the pursuit of your happiness. But what has rapidly occurred is that has progressed from hey, just let us be alone, let us live our lives, let us be happy, to if you don't celebrate the lifestyle choices that we make, you're a bigot. And I can't take that path. I am perfectly fine with gay, lesbian, uh, straight, transgender, whatever your sexual desire is, so long as it is fulfilled with consenting adults, I'm all favor of it. Make yourself happy. But as soon as you say, hey, I have to celebrate your lifestyle choice, that's a big difference. I'm fine with you making your choice, but I'm not necessarily going to celebrate it. And that's why yesterday I was making such a big point about you shouldn't have to wear a jersey that celebrates or suggests that you support anything other than the team's name. I really do believe this. If you are a Quaker and you're opposed to military action, I don't think you should have to wear a military uniform uh, that honors the military. Certainly, if you are not Christian and you don't want there to be a cross on your jersey or something like that, I don't think you should have to to wear that. And if certainly I wouldn't wear a BLM logo uh, on my shirt uh, because I think BLM is an awful group that has directly led to thousands of deaths that wouldn't have otherwise occurred as a result of their demonization of police, 
uh, and I think they've been a destructive force in America. You don't have to agree with me. You could wear a BLM patch. Um, In fact, I think the smartest move, and I've been arguing this for years, just play your sport. NHL, Major League Baseball, NBA, uh, NFL. People like sports. Just do them. Don't worry about anything other than your sport that unites everyone just by existing. If players want to endorse political opinions outside of work, I'm all in favor of it. Just like I'm defending Tony Dungy's ability to speak at the March for Life. Everybody can have the right to advocate for any political causes they hold dear. That's the great thing about being in America. But I don't know why the teams or the leagues feel the need to drag themselves into political controversy. I think it's dumb. This is my last book, Republicans Buy Sneakers 2. Michael Jordan was right. There's no reason to alienate anyone if you don't have to. That's my thoughts on Provorov uh, and the continued fallout. Uh, Jaden Rashada. You guys paid attention to the Jalen Rashada uh, details. Um, Jaden Rashada was evidently, according to published reports, offered $13 million over four years to play at the University of Florida. He's a top quarterback from California. Initially, I believe, was committed to Miami. Now is kind of having a star-crossed, tumultuous recruitment process. He's now been let out of his letter of intent and is no longer going to play at Florida. From a football perspective, it appears Graham Mertz, who used to play at Wisconsin, is going to be Florida's quarterback this year. The Billy Napier era is off to a messy start. But the fallout here is, it appears there was a arrangement, a relationship that was reached that wasn't able to be culminated in this contract. And so Jaden Rashada is back to being a free agent. I think this is a black eye for Florida Gator Athletics. But also, this is the the challenge that's going to come from NIL. If you promise athletes things that they are seeking, and then you cannot deliver that for them, it is going to be a massive issue going forward. Now, positive on NIL. Uh, I saw Stuart Mandel share this, uh, and it's a good stat. NFL draft early entries. These are underclassmen and college graduates with eligibility remaining. In 2019, there are 135 kids who left college early. In 2020, 115. In 2021, 128. In July of 2021, NIL goes into effect and there were only 100 early entries in 2022 And now in 2023, just 82 early entries. Just want you to think about this for a moment. Is NIL actually keeping higher quality football players in college longer than it would if NIL did not exist? That data that Stuart Mandel just shared would suggest that the answer is yes. And so I think people say, is NIL good or bad for college football? and everybody wants you to have a hot take. And my answer is, we don't know because it's so early. I can give you an argument. Hey, kids are staying in college longer. Quality of play in college football may be increasing. That is a positive. I can give you a negative. This kid, Jaden Rashada, uh, and the University of Florida can't get things worked out. And so it's a mess. I think it's too soon to know 
how this paradigm shift is going to impact the larger college football community for those of us that are big-time college football fans. Finally, I'm about to go jump on Fox News, but I wanted to say thank you again. You can go read uh, this uh, release for yourself, uh, but we now have PR at OutKick. After 20 years of me being the sole PR person uh, for everything that I do in my career, uh, OutKick, this is a headline, finished 2022 as the fastest growing sports site in the fourth quarter with unique visitors. That is because of you guys. In the fourth quarter of this year, uh, these are Comscore numbers. This is all public. You can go read it for yourself. Uh, In October, we had 12.2 million unique readers, visitors on the OutKick website. Uh, That was the largest number we had ever done. Um, And our fourth quarter audience was up uh, a massive 235% from the fourth quarter in 2021. Again, these are Comscore numbers. These are not our internal numbers. Comscore kind of counts everything out there uh, on the internet. Uh, And so I want to say thank you for all of you consuming OutKick content. Thank you for all of our employees. And thank you to everybody out there who is going to be discovering OutKick in 2023 in advance because it is going to be a compelling and incredible year for OutKick across the board in 2023. Uh, All right. Uh, Love all you. Have fantastic weekends. Enjoy the games on Saturday and Sunday. I'm on the Jags plus eight and a half, Giants plus seven and a half. Uh, I'm on the Bengals plus five and a half and the 49ers minus three and a half. Get rich, kids. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis, and this has been OutKick, the show.